slip of paper out. The title of our lesson is also our family theme, and that the fact is that Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God. Our objective is to understand that God made a promise to Abraham that through Abraham, God would bless the world uh, through him and through Abraham's seed. And, of course, we know that Jesus Christ, uh, his salvation, uh, that's the ultimate blessing that God was going to bring. Uh, and salvation comes through faith in Christ. We'll be in Genesis chapter 12, the first nine verses, and Genesis 15, the first six verses. We've got three key truths this morning. God blesses those who trust and obey him. Number one. Number two, God wants us to trust him when things don't seem to be working out. And number three, we are given right standing with God by faith. We are giving, given right standing with God by faith. Dan, did everybody get one? Did Jason get one? Okay. Now, don't tell us what you've, which one you've chosen, but your piece of paper either says truth or it says lie, okay? So, if the paper, thank you, Dan. Did you get one, brother? Okay. Uh, if your paper says truth on it, you're to tell us something true about yourself. If it says lie on it, you're to make something up about yourself. And we're going to vote when you do, when you tell your story. Uh, do we think what you said is true or is it a lie? Who is going to go first? Go ahead, Charlie. Do what? Say it one more time. Charlie said, I'm old. Now remember, you gotta go according to the paper you have. <laughs> don't, don't show it to him. I don't want to see it. <laughs> Alright, let's, let's, the, the, we, everybody heard. He said, Rick? Do what now? Wait a minute, one at a time. We gotta vote on Charlie first. How many think Charlie's telling the truth? <laughs> Okay, Charlie, did you lie or tell the truth? Oh, okay. <laughs> Rick, oh boy, Rick, you should have something better than that. Walk five miles every day. Do what now? How many of you believe that Rick walks five miles every day? <laughs> truth or lie, Rick? Okay. Somebody else. Paul. Okay. Truth or lie? I believe you're telling the truth, don't you? Okay. Somebody else. Alan, go ahead. She's never what? I talked to her this morning already. How many believe that's the truth? How many believe that I was lying to us? Okay. 
You guys made it too easy. All right, Dan, you had your hand up. Truth or lie? How many of you sound the truth? See, you guys are making it too easy, okay? We, we know that's true, all right? The Jordy already told his. Somebody else? You've been married how long? 53 years. Truth? How many think he's telling the truth? How many think he's lying? How many not sure? Truth or lie? Okay. Uh, I was born with six fingers on one hand. How many think I'm telling you the truth? Only two people think I'm telling the truth. Oh, Alan, you said the truth? Okay. It's the truth. I was. I should have joined the circus. Uh, now, I don't have it now. It was just a, you know, anyway. Well, except for most of you made it too easy. The problem is a lot of them, when somebody tells us something, we're not sure. Are they telling us the truth? Or they made some story up here? So I guess I need to ask how many liars do we have here this morning? <laughs> right? But the fact of the matter, it is hard to tell sometimes. But... When God says something, what can we count on? It's the truth. It is the truth. But wait a minute. What if it sounds impossible? He can't lie. It's still going to be the truth. So Lord willing, today, we're going to look at Abraham's life. And we're going to see how Abraham trusted God. And hopefully we can learn from Abraham that we can always trust God. We'll be in chapter 12. We mentioned earlier, verse 9 verses, chapter 15, the first six verses. But in chapter 11, God is dealing with the entire human race. It's there at the tower of Babel that he confuses the language. And... You know, God had commanded earlier they disperse. They decide, we don't want to do that. We're going to stay in one place. And God said, guess what? You're going to disperse like I told you. Well, toward the end of chapter 11, God begins to uh, list some genealogies. And uh, by the end of chapter 11, he begins to focus on one family. Tira from the land of Ur. And, of course, that's the story of Abraham and where the story of Abraham begins. Now, think about this uh, for a moment. At the end of chapter 11, where it begins, we'll be in chapter 12 today, God reveals his will for one man specifically, and that is Abram, later on called Abraham. And God told Abram that I'm going to make a great nation from your descendants, and I'm also going to send the Savior Through your descendants. So, you know, we talked about truth or lie. We know God cannot lie. But from a human perspective, what was the problem with that promise right then? Okay. But didn't he already have them? No. He was too old. 
And, you know, if you're going to bless, Lord, if you're going to bless the world through my descendants, we got a problem here. <laughs> I don't have any descendants. So anyway, that's what we're going to look at today, how Abraham trusted God. Our first key truth is that God does bless those who trust and obey him. Genesis 12, let's read the first nine verses. I thank you, Dan. As I mentioned, we're introduced to Abram in chapter 11. His family, his father, Tira, uh, had left, had headed out to go toward the land of Canaan. And uh, before he, he leaves the old country, uh, his son uh, died. And so Abram lived in Haran with his father, with his brother, but also Lot, his nephew, because Lot's father had died, and of course his wife, Sarai. So all of a sudden, God appears to Abraham. I know it's called Abram in our text, but he appears to Abraham. And what's he tell Abraham to do? (laughs) And who's he to leave? He's to leave everybody. Yeah. Get away from that pagan land. Now, here's what's interesting. So often we're not sure about God's plan, but guess who is sure about it? God is. And God knows his plan ahead of time. And so God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your home. And like you said, Dan, I want you to start going. But God never told Abraham exactly where he was going. But what God says, when you get there, I'll tell you. Now remember, Abraham's 70 years old. Oh, I'm 75, thank you. Yeah, my mistake. I'd like to say, I hope you're listening, Dan, but that's not true. I did make a mistake there. Now, 
How does that impact that? What God told Abraham to do. <laughs> and leave everything you know about, right? And, and God says, Abram, I want you to go. Absolutely, yes. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's even worse yet. Now, that's, I think that's interesting. So he said, go to an unknown place. And God said to Abraham, if you obey me, if you follow what I'm telling you to do, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great man. I'm going to give you many children, many descendants. And your descendants are going to be a blessing to all the people of the world. But God also tells Abraham, I want you also to know, if a nation blesses you, I'll bless that nation. And God said, if they curse you, guess what? I'll curse that nation. Now, this is known as the Abrahamic Covenant. And it's simply a promise that God made to Abraham. Now, first of all, understand that the promise to bless all people of the earth was really fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And because of Christ, God has blessed all people several ways. Number one, I think, first of all and best of all, Jesus died for our sins. Who's that for? Everyone. Whosoever can come. Whosoever will. And which sin did he forgive? All. Okay? Every sin from Adam and Eve, the very last sin committed. The second way he's blessed us, Even when people do not believe Christ as Savior, his teachings and his philosophy have blessed cultures in a way that no other teaching comes close to. Those who say, you know what, I choose not to believe in Christ as Savior, but certainly his philosophies have made a difference in morality in our world. And it still affects people today. And even now that Christ has gone back to heaven... He didn't leave us alone. He sent another comforter of the same kind. And he blesses people through his spirit who live in children of God. And so as you and I live out Christ-like biblical principles, we too become a blessing to this world. I guess the question I would have, why do you think God asked Abraham to leave his country? Okay, so I'm going to do it. All right. You think there were old customs and habits you need to get rid of? Sure there was. And, and so God says, you know, walk away from that. Uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, we know from later on and from as we read the story of Abraham and even in Joshua's day, that group of people in Abraham's family were, were idol worshipers. Because in Joshua 24... Uh, Joshua says to the people of Israel, who are you going to serve? God or the gods your forefathers served beyond the, beyond the river from the homeland they came from? 
So they were idol worshiping people. And God said, I want you to get away from them. So as we are introduced to him, he's called Abram. His name will be changed to Abraham in chapter 17. Abram means exalted father. Abraham uh, means father of nations or father of multitudes. Of course, God is the one who changed his name because now uh, Abraham is directly tied. uh, This name is tied to God's purposes for Abraham's life. So I have a question about that. We've read the story. We know how God was going to keep his word. Had Abraham read the story? No. What's the difference? He had no idea. He had no idea how God was going to work this out. All he knows so far is what God has told him. So, God says, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. And if you do it, here's how I'm going to bless you. So now that God has laid it out to Abraham... Right now, Abram, I realize that. What is now Abram's choice? Yeah. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to stay. Am I going to obey God's command? (laughs) Can you imagine that? What's verse 4 say? Anybody got that? In verse 4. He departed. Now I have to ask you folks, does that require faith? You better believe it does. You better believe it does. And and again, I can only assume this. I really believe that Abraham probably had a lot of question marks in his mind. Yeah. And by the way, it wouldn't be the last time he'd have question marks either. Okay, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. But here's what's interesting to me. Abram refuses to doubt God. And like you said, Dan, he departed. So Abram, his wife, Sarai, nephew Lot, the people that he had with him, they leave Haran. I think it was Chuck Swindoll heard preach this many years ago. And he titled his message, Going Without Knowing. Isn't that what a big part of life is sometimes? Going without knowing. So here we are, Abraham's going where? Someplace, that's a good answer, right? We don't know, he doesn't know. God knows, but Abraham doesn't know. So he's traveling through this land, the land of Canaan it happened to be, and then God appears to him and says, you know, Abraham, this is the promised land. This is the land I'm going to give to you and to your descendants. So Abraham travels as far as King James' Sychem to Shechem, actually, and and, uh, he builds an altar there. He builds an altar there. And I have no doubt in my mind that altar was for two purposes. Number one, to show his appreciation. But also a consecration of the promised land to God. I couldn't help but notice this week as I went through the scripture text, 
God made a note to tell us the Canaanites were there. So what? Why in the world would God tell us that? Well, we don't know for sure, but they were there. And the Canaanites were pagan idol worshipers. And they probably had some type of uh, altar on every prominent hill in the countryside. A place to worship one of their many pagan idols. So, Abram decides not to use one of their places. What does he do? Toward God. He builds an altar to God. The Bible tells us he moves on to Bethel. And it would become a sacred site for the Jews. And he built another altar of worship to the Lord. So not only did he refuse to worship as his existing altar, but he also is telling the people that the Canaanites, there's a new God now. Not really a new God, but new to you. And he's showing them by making open profession not to a false God, but the only true God. So my question is this. God came to Abraham with a tremendous request. Abraham followed him. My question is, what led Abraham to follow God? Just his faith. Just his faith. He obeyed God. He sacrificed to God. And he worshipped God. Now remember, which part of the promise of the promises, plural, that God made to Abram, which one of those has he, has he already seen? None of them. Every step he takes is simply an act of faith. There are four distinct parts to the promise that God gave Abram. First of all, he promised him some land. And again... This land wasn't his. In fact, when you get to Hebrew, we we reminded that Abram never owned any land. But did that make God's promise of no effect? No. But also he promised him descendants. Now, Dan, you mentioned a moment ago, 75 years old, no children. So how hard is it for us to believe something we can't see or understand? It's tough. Yeah, it is. And without faith, we can't. And I look at that promise of descendants, and without, you know, there's Abram and Sarah, no children, that seems impossible. Much less a promise of great number of descendants. (laughs) Now, by the way, scholars estimate by the time Israelites would leave Egypt. 
there were over 2 million Israelites. What did God promise Abram? Multitude. The third promise was to bless those that blessed Abraham and to curse those that cursed him. Now, by the way, I still believe that's true today. I believe that any nation that turns their back on Israel is going to be in trouble. Um, now, is God pleased with what Israel is doing? No, he's not. Now, they have suffered so much through the years because of, the, of their disobedience. But God still promised to bless Abraham. Now, my, my question is, when God makes a promise, when does that end? Never. Until it's fulfilled anyway, right? It, it will be fulfilled. The fourth thing in his promise, that Abraham's descendants and all people on earth was going to be blessed through Abraham. What a promise. But again, that's ultimately through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, remember, this promise was made before the people of Abraham were in existence. Isn't that true? And yet, God brings it about. So, how in the world then could the entire world be blessed? They tried to use an old man a while ago, or old something. But Abram was an old man, and an old woman, if you will, and his wife. Abram's faith certainly took control of the day. Verse 4 says he departed. In the way of application, we can be a blessing to others because God's blessed us. Anybody here that God's not blessed? We've all been blessed by God. So trust God and do whatever he asks us to do. Well, since God has blessed us through Abram, being a son of Abram through Christ, what are some of the ways we can be blessing a blessing to other people? What are some of the ways? Okay, if you see a need, you can help. All right. Oh, pray for other people. Yes, indeed. Dan, you mean to say if someone says to you, Dan, will you pray for me? We're supposed to pray for him? Sure. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Now, Abram built an altar in that pagan land to God, an open profession who he served. So what are actions that we can do today? To show that we love God and we follow God. How can we, how can we show that to the lost world? Amen. Support the local church. What else? Do we go around telling people we're better than they are? No. How He changed us, He can change them too. We show them the love of Christ. We, uh, we spend time practicing a daily love and kindness to others. We spend time in His, in, in his Word. We spend time in prayer. All those things are actually we, we do to show uh, that we love and follow God. So number one, uh, God blesses those who trust and obey. And number two, God wants us to trust Him, look at this, when things don't seem to be working out. Anybody ever been there? Uh-huh. Absolutely, when things don't seem to be working out. Go to chapter 15. Let's read the first five verses, please. 
Okay, thank you, Dan. Chapter 12, God gave the promise, tremendous promise. Abraham obeyed God. He moved, traveled toward the land of promise where God identified that's where he should be. Some things have transpired since that promise in chapter 12. In chapter 14, we see the war of the kings, five against six. Abraham delivers Lot. Wow. And then it says, after these things. Do you think that once God gave Abram that promise in chapter 12, even though he obeyed and departed Haran, went to the promised land where God showed him, do you think Abram mulled things over in his mind? Why do you say that? Sure. I, I, now, we can't prove that, but I agree with that. You know, first of all, it doesn't matter what age you are. When somebody makes a promise, how soon do you want it fulfilled? Right now. And especially if you're old like Charlie Glover. You really want it fulfilled, right? And we do. And I, I look at what's happening here in chapter 15. It says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And the first thing he says to Abram is, don't be afraid. Indicating what? Abram was afraid. Now, he moved out on faith. But as these things go over and over in his mind, how can it be? How can it be? And God says to Abram, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be afraid. Because what you need to understand, Abram, I am your shield. What does a shield do? It protects. Can we have a greater shield than the Lord? No. Abram, I am your protection. Now, isn't it interesting? God knew what Abram was thinking. He knew his doubts, his fears. Now, again, Abram didn't doubt enough and he didn't obey. He did obey. <coughs> but still yet, he's still living, expecting the promise to come true. But God, not only did he say to Abram, I'm your shield, he said, I am your exceeding great reward. What in the world does that mean? Any thoughts? Now, this is subjective, okay? What does it mean? How, how could that apply to us? I think, now, again, this is only my opinion, and take that and whatever cup of coffee costs, take it in your pocket, you'll get a cup of coffee, all right? But my thought was, you know, Abram, I've made this promise to you, and Wayne, you met it a while ago. God's promise, he can't lie. But I think one thing that God is saying to Abram, if you get nothing else, who's your reward? God says, I am. I am your exceeding great reward. 
Now, some theologians translate that verse that I will be your exceeding great reward. And it could be either way. So God appears to him in a vision. And he says to Abram, I'm your shield, I'm your reward. And then in verse 2, we know Abram has a question. He's been rolling over in his mind. I heard what you said, God, and and I'm trusting you. But how is this going to happen since I don't have a child? I don't even have a son. How can it be? Now, in that culture, if you didn't have no children, you could adopt someone as a guardian, a servant or a slave, if you would. And Abram says, all I have is this steward of my house, Eliezer. You haven't given me a seed, a son. And you said that one born in my house is going to be my heir. Do you see Abram trying to figure it out? Trying to put one and one together? Is he struggling? Sure he is, and we would be too. And so, okay, God, I know you said this, and I I know it's impossible, so let me help you figure this out. Right? Let me give you a suggestion here, Lord. Okay, I don't have a son of my own, but, but I know I've got a servant who is, I can make a guardian. So, Lord, you know, if you can't do it, I'll take care of it for you. We think God thinks about that. Yeah, now, when will I learn, God, you don't need my help. You don't need my help. <laughs> you haven't given me any son. And you said there's somebody born in my house is going to be my descendant. How can it be? I like how it's kind of boom, boom, boom here. God's word comes to Abram to don't be afraid. Abram begins to explain his dilemma to God as if God didn't know already. And once Abram offers his solution to the problem or offers his help to God, right away, God's word comes right away. (laughs) Abram shut up. He didn't say that. I realize that. God came to him, said, Eliezer is not going to be your heir. I told you you're going to have a son, and guess what? You're going to have a son. The heir won't be some one you've appointed as guardian. The heir is going to be someone who comes out of your own loins. It will be your son, Abram. How many know that God uses visual aids? So the Bible says that God says, Abram, come here. Let's step outside. Now I realize it's a vision, but it didn't matter. And God tells him to step outside. It's a clear night. 
Not a cloud in the sky, probably. And what's God tell Abraham to do? Count the stars. What's so hard about that, Wayne? I've tried it. I mean, all I got is ten fingers and ten toes. I'm in trouble. Count the stars, Abraham. And Abraham, when you get done counting that total, bass some of the stars, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Isn't God good? Doesn't belittle Abram. Doesn't chide him. He says, Abram, let's go outside for a minute. Let me show you something to explain what I'm going to do for your life. So like all of us, Abraham struggled to understand how. And we do that from time to time. And what's interesting, he promised Abram the land and a vast number of descendants. But all those promises were fulfilled after Abraham lived his life on this earth. His promise to bless all people fulfilled through Jesus Christ. In fact, in Genesis 15, verses 18 through 21, not part of our text today, but God even lays out the dimensions of that land. Now, if you study anything in the Scripture, you'll know that they have never possessed the entire land because of their disobedience. Now, those who have their eschatology correct believe that they're going to go back before this world ends and claim all of the land. But nonetheless, it's a promise that God made to Abram. Now, if we talk about a particular person being the father of faith, who would that be? Abraham. And yet, Abraham, the father of faith, even struggled to understand. But in the end, faith wins out. He simply trusts God. Now, would it be an easy journey? No. Would chapter 15 be the last time he tries to devise a plan to help God out? No. The struggle will continue. But at the end of the day, God is going to keep his word to Abram. So let's apply it. We have to trust God to keep his word, even when things don't seem to work out. We can stand on God's promises because we know that with God, nothing is impossible. Trust God's promises. Got a couple of questions. Let me ask one of them here, okay? In what ways has God proven himself to be trustworthy for you? What are some of the ways God has proven himself to be trustworthy to you? Anyone at all? Amen. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, to me, that's the best promise of all. Somebody else real quick. 
In what way have you found God trustworthy? Does he provide your daily needs? Sure he does, every day. First of all, God blesses those who trust and obey. Number two, God wants us to trust him when things don't seem to be going our way or working out. Number three, we are given right standing with God by faith. Genesis 15, verse 6. I may want to read that. You might want to make a note of this. Write it down so you don't forget it. Verse 6 in chapter 15 of Genesis is right after verse 5. And in verse 5, God said, Abram, count these stars. If you can number them, that will give you a good idea of how many descendants you're going to have. <coughs> Would you say a pretty a vast promise there? From a human standpoint, it seemed what? Impossible. But the first thing in verse 6 says, Abram believed God. He believed what God had told him before he saw any of it come to fruition. He trusted God. He trusted the very words that God said. Abram had come to a point in his life, he said, you know what, I believe that my God is reliable and my God is trustworthy. He believed God. Now, by the way, the tense of the original language (coughs) denotes an ongoing activity. He kept on believing the promise. Kept on believing So, in the first part of verse 6, Abram believed in the Lord. How did God respond to that? Declared him what? Righteous. Declared him righteous. What that means is God gave Abraham God's righteousness. And the idea here is a picture of a State of acceptance by God, a state of right standing with God. How much time have I got left, Jason? Okay. Now we're not going to take time, but in Romans 4, Paul deals with that subject of being justified without the law. And guess who he uses as an example? Abraham. How Abraham simply believed God and God counted it for righteousness unto him. And what Paul was trying to set forth, what God did for Abraham, he does for all people. We're not declared righteous by the law. We can't be good enough. But when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God declares us righteous. And what I like about that is, Here in chapter 15, verse 6, it's important for us today because it confirms that God's plan for salvation has never, ever changed. And guess when it it will change? It won't. Now, there's something I always remind myself when I'm here in Genesis 15, talking about Abraham. Who came first, Abraham or Moses? Abraham did. Moses came later, and being declared righteous by faith, came before the law. 
And so God's plan for salvation has never, ever, ever changed. How many are glad for that? Amen. Let's all stand. Next week, chapter 13 and 14, parts of chapter 18 and 19. And we're going to find out that the choices we make have consequences. Father, we love you today and we praise you so much for who you are. Father, help us to trust you to be obedient no matter how impossible it might seem. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.